Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I just remember my body going into like the craziest shock, like just like the fastest. It felt like someone just grabbed electricity and just like hit me with it. And I, I remember I just, I've knocked out underwater. I like faint in my eyes. I just remember everything just closing like, and then I, I just remember telling myself like, Hey, you got to wake up. Like you're in trouble. You need to get up. And I kind of came to underwater and I was like, so confused on what was going on. I was like, what, where am I? I didn't even realize really where I was at the moment. And I kind of had a second to just like contain myself of like, okay, like you need to swim up to the surface. You just, I think you just knocked out. And I remember trying to kick off the sand because it's shallow there. You can yeah, yeah. kick off the sand and then nothing. Like my legs just weren't working. I was like, what? I was like, okay, like, swim. And then nothing again. I was like, holy shit. Like what's going on right now? Like I was like, I think, I was like, I think I'm paralyzed. I don't really know what's going on. I, am I paralyzed? This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello, all of you good humans, and welcome to the guest episode of Good Humans Podcast for the week. Big warm welcome to everyone who is brand new here today. It's great to have you here. If you haven't listened to any of these podcasts before, please take a look back. There's so many incredible guest episodes. This whole last 12 months we've been speaking to, well, I've been speaking to so many incredible people. I've learned so many things and every single guest has their own unique story that you can learn from as well. If you are new, make sure you hit that subscribe and follow button. It's so great to see this community continue to grow. Also, hit that five-star button if you're enjoying any of these episodes. It really does help us move up the list. Wow, today's episode's a special one. Josh Muniz is a great friend of mine. I've spent plenty of time over the last 10 years traveling the world surfing together. Josh is a local Hawaiian surfer. His family has a deep history in Hawaiian surf culture, and it's so special to have this conversation with him. Oh, it's going to blow your mind, this story. Josh broke his neck last year and it was crazy. It sent shockwaves across the whole surf community. There was, but the day it happened, we all were like, is he going to survive? The next day, we were like, is he ever going to walk again? And the journey has just been incredible. And to get to share this conversation with Josh and kind of give him a platform to really go deep, reflect on what had happened and, yeah, show how special life is and yeah to talk through his recovery has been really um, really incredible so i really hope you enjoy this conversation if you do learn from it if you get inspired by it please send myself or josh an instagram dm letting us know you enjoyed the episode share it on your instagram stories i know so many young surfers and so many people who have gone through injuries can be inspired by this story to show that there is hope and yeah the comeback is just as important as the injury so 
let's jump straight into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, yeah. Joshy Muniz. Yeah. How are you, brother? Good. Thanks for having me. Stoked. Um, I've been doing well. I couldn't really ask like to be in a better place as of right now. Yeah, welcome to Australia. Yeah. How nice is it getting to surf Snapper Rocks every day at the moment? Oh, I'm so stoked. I've been to Snappers like four or five times and I probably paddled out like twice since every all the other times and I've already, I'm like more than satisfied from the swell we've had. I know, it's been yeah. a really good run of waves, but the first question I'd like to start Good Humans Podcast with, it's a new little segment, but I thought I'd throw it in there with you. So what's one thing you're grateful for? Uh, one thing I'm, ga- oh, sorry, one thing I'm grateful for Um help just like all the help i've received this last year has been like really huge and yeah i'm just super grateful for all the help i've received yeah i'm so excited to talk about this last year in your life we will get to that but we're going to rewind at the start but i guess for the listeners that don't know who you are who's josh muniz um my name's josh muniz i'm from honolulu hawaii i come from a pretty big family there's seven of us in total um three brothers, one younger, two older, older sister who also surfs professionally. And yeah, we just kind of grew up in Hawaii on the beach and lived a pretty simple lifestyle, but um, really exciting and always a lot of going, always a lot going on. Yes, <laughs> your family is pretty crazy. It's, yeah. um, it's cool. I've got to know your family quite a bit over the years and we've obviously been doing this surfing thing for quite some time. What was it like growing up with such a big family and how was that dynamic for you? Did you enjoy having a big family growing up and yeah what was school like when you were a kid yeah having a big family for me was such a good thing because I was so quiet when I was younger I was always kept to myself um so having like my older brothers and my brothers and my sisters they're all like really outgoing so that really like kind of pushed me to become more of an open person and have conversations like this and being okay with like speaking under pressure or just being uncomfortable yeah mm. Can you think back to school times? What was school like for you? I like to, I do have a lot of young listeners on this podcast and obviously school in Hawaii, a little different, a bit more relaxed lifestyle in Hawaii compared to Australia. But yeah, what was school like for you from what you can remember? Let's go high school. So yeah. once you got to that past 10, 11 years old. Um, so school for me is, was pretty different from even people in Hawaii. I've actually never gone to a normal school in my life. I've never sat in a classroom never gone to a public or private school. Um, My mom and dad had pretty bad experiences in the high schools we would have gone to. So my dad actually told my mom like, hey, I'd rather you just homeschool them and kind of be their teacher. So Mm. my mom was my principal, teacher, mom, everything in between. Um, She did an awesome job. She was not quite like the homeschooling you probably think it would have been to like where we can just kind of oh waves are good we're going surfing or oh there's a surf trip here just go for it she was pretty strict um she really made sure she had structure in our life and at the time it was like we hated it obviously you know we're like mom like the waves are good let us let us get out there or whatever but she was like nope if you're done with your work or you grinded it out last night you can but if you have your hours you still need to get done you're staying home and you're getting it finished so now that it's finished it's like it was such a blessing because now I have like it really taught me like some type of structure that you learn in school yeah i love that it's so interesting that you're homeschooled like that and do you think having brothers and sister and your sister gave you that sort of environment that i feel like some kids who are homeschooled might miss out on that ability to connect with others and the ability to sort of communicate with people and make friends do you feel like having that big family was almost a bit of a yeah parallel for you compared to school 
Yeah, for sure. Definitely having like just in my family, there's always noise, always some type of drama or something going on, you know, like someone needs extra attention at that time. So being able to communicate that really helped me. Um, if it wasn't, if I was like in a smaller family, for sure, I would have struggled with that. I still did. Um, but again, my siblings are pretty good. I've pretty good at just like communicating with other people and being in the surf community in Hawaii, like I was just always around people just like trying to talk to me, trying to get me to open up. And yeah, it was, it was a long process for me. It was definitely a little slower of just kind of growing and being okay to have conversations with people. But yeah, I'm still struggling with it for sure. No, but. I mean, you're doing great right now. Cause <laughs> I was going to touch on that. I feel like, cause I do know your brothers mm -hmm. and sister yeah. a little bit and your dad and mom mm -hmm. and from the outside looking in, you probably are maybe one of the quietest out of the whole bunch. Yeah. So was it hard for you sometimes to find your sort of spark in the family? Cause there's some very loud and some, yeah. and your family is very renowned in yeah. the Hawaiian surfing community. So did you feel like any pressure coming into the surf industry with the family name? And also how'd you find it trying to yeah, come out of your shell a little bit? Um, yeah, for sure. There's, I want to say a pressure. I was just like such a mama's boy when I was growing up. Like I was just absolutely glued to my mom wherever we were, no matter location, even when I was at home, I was just like the biggest mama's boy ever. So that, um, what really helped was traveling. Traveling really helped me like just figure out, you know, like if you're lost in, I don't know, some random country, like you can't figure that out on your own. You got to go out and ask around and kind of just figure it out. Mm. So traveling definitely helped with me just like opening up and being able to like figure things out on my own. Yeah, I, I speak to a lot of people and I talk about it quite a lot on this podcast is the idea of like the university of life is traveling. And obviously we, we are very privileged, the life we've had, the yeah. talents that we've been gifted to do what we love to do as professional surfers. But I think anybody can relate to that, that just traveling and experiencing cultures is a great way to get out of your shell and yeah. to get into that uncomfortable situation where you can really grow and it's funny the first time we josh and i met it's crazy for anyone out there yeah. listening you're probably one of the first international surfers that i was friends with because yeah. i mean maybe you tell the story from your point of view when we met yeah that was that was same thing when you told me let's jump on the podcast i was like laughing i was like wow i was i was probably like 14 or 15 on that trip we're in um how old are you now i'm 25 you must have been younger i was 15 so you must 15? have been like 13 yeah i'm 28 in like a week shoot yeah maybe i was I'll, i remember being really young and going over there like kind of just like way out of my comfort zone of like oh my, i'm going to france to surf in cold water a place i don't understand the language like going to be serving against all these older kids that are for sure way better than me i was just going for the experience and you know it was a free trip back then right like yeah. i'm pretty sure quickie um paid for everything accommodation yeah, yeah. food is insane but yeah, I met you, your mom, Elliot Prada Reed, who I That's I've right. been surfing surfing with. Um, Banting, we met Matt on that trip. Even Felipe, I think Leo, was there. Kanoa. Leo Kanoa. It's crazy to see like we're all still like in the surf industry and still mm. like having all our own success in different ways in the surf industry. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty insane how we're all still like connected. It's crazy. So like anyone out there listening, when we we're kids back in the day, there used to be a surf comp called the King of the Groms. And they used to have domestic events in each country. And if you won your domestic event, you got a trip to France to compete in the world king of the Groms. And I actually won the event at Snapper. It was like no the only way. time I've ever got to surf an event at Snapper. And I was like 14. What? Yeah. And we got like pumping waves at Snapper and we just got to surf like two heats. It was like me, 
Creed, Noah. It was like gnarly. And it was so like the sick. first big win I ever got. And I was like, sweet, I want a trip to France. And yeah. I got to take my mom. And on that trip, yeah, we all got to take a chaperone, all expenses yeah. paid. And that was when we met you and yeah. your dad. And my mom still talks about, oh, Tony yeah. Muniz, make sure you say <laughs> hi to Tony. And anytime that Josh and yeah. um, Josh's brother, who we will talk a little bit about shortly, um, Seth, Every time they're down for the event down in Manly, which you'll be down there like yeah. next week. So yeah. you'll have to come over for dinner for and sure. mum will be stoked to catch up yeah, with you. But yeah, it's cool the connections that you make. And yeah. that's like one of the best things I think about surfing mm-hmm. is like those connections that you make with people all around the world. Yeah. I still talk about that trip to my friends all the time. Your mom was like the team mom for everyone, making sure we're all like squared away during the day. We're all like, we're all okay. She was the best. I, I loved your mom for that. I still like every time yeah. I see her, I always get the best memories of France and everything that's so cool yeah, yeah. anyone listening my mom's actually been on like the podcast for a little episode you go back and listen to that one i yeah. think it was international women's day a couple months ago but anyway go back and listen to that my mom's a champion yeah. but yeah that trip was so funny like i still remember leo and kanoa because they were micro groms yeah. and they would have been like 10 and 11 yeah. and i remember it was like kanoa's birthday mm. and the team manager at the time i can't remember who it was i think i do remember who it was i won't yeah. name them though was like there and he was like, instead of taking Kanoa out for his 12th birthday, was like going out to get on the pier. So my mum was like, screw that. We'll take him out. Yeah. And we went and got like the hot rocks and yeah. you cook your own steak. It was like me, you, Kanoa. I remember that. Oh my God. How crazy is that? Looking back far out, it's like reflecting on stuff like that yeah. is so cool. But so cool. let's continue on with the story. <laughs> let's fast forward into pretty much after that age group when we were sort of groms trying to figure out where the surfing was for us yeah. what was that next chapter for you like kind of in those late teen years trying to chase down this professional surfing career which we both know is yeah. very hard to make it but i mean i still feel like we've made it at the level we're at yeah. right now it's like the way for that sure. you look at it but yeah what was that next stage like when you realized you know what surfing something that i want to do as a career uh, for me honestly like i was kind of a late bloomer like the f- I don't even know how I got to the King of the Groms. Like I just got so lucky I got there. I remember winning the King of the Groms event and just being like, how did I just win that contest? Like I got extremely lucky. But when I was around like 16, 17, I remember like seeing my younger brother Seth and older brother Isaiah kind of like gaining momentum and seeing like, oh, these guys are gonna like really push for this to be a career. And I knew I was fairly far behind them. So I just like told myself, I was like, okay, I'm gonna Till I'm 18, I'm just going to kind of work as hard as I can, be in the water and enjoy myself and just see where that gets me. Um, I had pretty good timing from like 17 to 18, like in the U.S. I kind of just got on a little roll and won a bunch of like our nationals, the ISA events, a bunch of juniors. So that was put me in a really good spot for Billabong to kind of like back me and like, hey, mm. you can go on the road and do the QS if you want to push, push for that. And yeah, that's what I did. I kind of just kind of jumped in head first thinking I'm sure every 18 year old thinks they're just going to go and have an easy roll into tour like what they're like in their head but yeah I had a big wake up call jumping on the queue for sure what was that like for you that step because I've spoken about my kind of journey yeah. and I've spoken to a lot of people from Morgan mm-hmm. to Liam O'Brien to yeah. Connor like this obviously is my realm as well so a lot of the guests on this podcast have been young surfers mm-hmm. that have made it that are kind of at our level yeah what was that like for you mentally dealing with going from hey i'm getting backed i'm winning ice you won the yeah. ISA world yeah yeah I won ISA. Yeah, so you won like world title and then going sort of big fish small bond spawn yeah. small pond yeah. into small fish big pond how was that for you to deal with mentally because that's something i speak about 
I speak about it at my workshops actually mm. with the kids every day because yeah. I used to, when I was a kid, base my self-worth on how I achieved my value. Yeah. I mean, on how I achieved in events. Exactly, me too. And then you get this rude shot because nobody tells you that, hey, you're not going to be winning anymore. You're going to be back in a big, yeah. well, there's a very select few that go that next level yeah. and start winning internationally. Mm-hmm. So I like my mental health really suffered until I changed my whole mindset around it. What was that transition like for you? Well, it was weird. So when I first jumped on my first event ever going on the road by myself, with no parents, it's like, Hey, this is like your journey. Now, if you need our help, you can ask mm. for our help, but you got to take control of like your own career. You're an adult. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Like I get to go travel and do all these events. I, um, I think I went on my first event and I won. It was only Martinique? A, yeah, it was a Oh, I remember. I lost in the semis. Yeah, I, I think you beat me. Yeah, I got you in the semis. It was a super close seat. Yeah, we had like 18 points yeah. each or something. We've had some good heats together, you and I, I feel like. We have. Yeah. You got me more, so. You reckon? Yeah, for sure. You got me more than I've gotten. I've yeah. never won an event. But I, that was like the one big one I got. Yeah, I that, was, that was crazy. That, yeah. How good was that week? That so week we had an like, event in Martinique, which yeah. is in um, uh, the Caribbean. Yeah, the Caribbean. And the waves were fucking pumping so the whole time yeah. like every heat was like yeah. 17 18 points yeah. and then yeah you got me in the semi i yeah. remember that but yeah so that first event was so that was your first major event that was like that was my first major international event and i won wow so in my head i was like oh i just like i would not even put like that much effort into this and i just won like mm. oh i i'm gonna i'm gonna do this right now yeah. like, i'm gonna get so much momentum behind me and then I jumped on to the 10,000s and then I was just like, oh shit, like this is a different game right now. And mm. Pretty much just got waxed for a couple of years and pr- struggled pretty hard. But yeah, I learned a lot through those first few years on the queue for sure. What's something that you kind of take away that you think you learned from the start, say, to looking back now? Because obviously mm. we're quite young once yeah. we first get there and there's probably a bit of inflated ego with winning early. Yeah. What was it like for you when you started to lose quite a bit? How'd you deal with that? Um, I feel like I just, I couldn't, I didn't know how to like pull myself out of those like bad momentum moments where I was just like looking way too far ahead down the line. I couldn't just like slow it down and just like, you know, I'm going to take a week off or even an event off, you know, even at that time I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was even trying to qualify. Like I, even though I was doing all the events, I didn't really like, when I looked on the tour, I was like, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for the travel schedule, the waves, mm-hmm. the lifestyle. I knew that immediately, but I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna go and get an experience. And then, you know, next thing you know, you lose, you go to all these events and you're just losing, losing, losing. And then your mind just kind of just goes in a full scramble mode. And yeah, I honestly, until my accident, I feel like I finally just like realized like, all this stuff isn't really important. You're doing it because you love it. So just enjoy it pretty much. Yeah, we will get to your accident because yeah. I can imagine that perspective change has changed a lot. But I do want to touch on one more topic before. Yeah. And that's your younger brother, Seth, yeah. great friend of mine as yeah. well. And obviously your brother, one yeah. of your best friends. And yeah. he's had some stellar success on yeah. that world stage. Has it been hard for you to deal, not deal with, but to watch your younger brother have like success on that stage on the same thing that you're trying mm-hmm. to chase? Because I can imagine... I mean, for me, I don't have any brothers, yeah. but I know how it feels even when one of my close mates, and it's something that I've touched on. I spoke to someone recently about it, the idea of once you like learn to just be happy for other people around yeah. you, it's far more just, it's way better for your happiness. Yeah. But was there times when he first started succeeding that you were like, oh, fuck, why aren't I succeeding? Um, 
honestly not really seth and i were were so tight was yeah. from like a young age like him and i growing up were like best friends like and i was always trying to keep up with him you know it wasn't like i was ahead of him and he, okay. i was pushing him he was pushing me always so when he was being like he kind of just came on the qs and kind of just smashed it his mm. first year went on tour and did really well um Honestly, the toughest year I had on the road was probably the year he qualified just because not because he was doing good at all. Like, um, that was the one year I went on to the QS like this is my year. I'm going to qualify like I that was the only year I really like put in proper offseason training for and like dialed in my boards, everything. <clears throat> I ended up winning the Volcom Pipe Pro right before like the real season of the QS starts. And when I won that in my head, I was like, OK, like if I just want this event, like if I just stick to my program, I'm going to, I can pull this off. Obviously I know things have to go my way and everything, but that year I was just like, I'll climb up then get injured or something would happen. And I'll just like three steps back, try to do a couple steps forward, three steps back. And then Seth on the other hand was just like skyrocketing, just results are coming really easy and everything. So that was tough, but not, I wasn't like ever rattled that he was mm. killing it. I was honestly like happy when I seen him qualifying and getting all the success. Cause I was like, okay, well, if he can do it, I can do it too. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. You know, I, the one thing I did learn was the QS is so gnarly. The guys are competing against just the lifestyle of traveling and just the grind. It's, it is the best job in the world, but it, it's mentally challenging. Like you get all the emotions sent to you. So seeing him do that was like always like my shining light like okay he's he's being successful so i just was always trying to like be really supportive and happy for him mm. yeah what about the kind of what like when you say like with such a big family the yeah. family support obviously there's all this focus and attention around your brother and you're still grinding away yeah. is it hard did you find it hard at times where you're like far out like yeah. i just want not want to be in the spotlight but yeah. i want to like you know what I mean? Because yeah. you're killing it as well. Yeah. Like getting parts in like sick video, yeah. like movies and whatnot. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I've just like looked from the outside. I mean, yeah. like, fire out. Josh is such a hyper talented <laughs> yeah. surfer. Like, I want to see him get there as well. Yeah. Cause like you two on two would be so epic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. Cause especially being at home, like having the both of us, like people like get confused with all of us. So mm. just like, you know, everyone's kind of just like nudging me, like wanting me to do good, but like, kind of like hurry up like your brother's like he's stepping mm. ahead of you like you got to get it going so that's always like just you know added pressure even though i know that's not what their intentions, intentions are you know they just want the best for you like especially like in your local surf communities like of yeah. course like you want to see your local guy like on tour and being successful so that that side of things definitely like affected me to where i was just like oh no like i need to catch up i need to catch up instead of just like this is what I have to do, you know, mm. just slow it down. I need to show up to do one thing at a time instead of trying to skip all these things and yeah. jump the line pretty much. Yeah. Focusing on the process is so important. Yeah. Something I want to chat about before we get into the accident mm -hmm. story is just your relationship with pipeline. It's yeah. been really cool to watch over the last few years, the depth of talent that you and your brother have shown out there, but you in particularly winning the Vulcan pipe pro and having such a great relationship with there being a very strong Hawaiian blood family, it must feel good to have that relationship with Pipeline now because I want to talk to you about the relationship with fear out there because yeah. I feel like as a kid, were you quite scared out there compared to now? Oh, I was 
terrified of i didn't even want a surf pipe i i i grew up in waikiki mm. so if you don't know where waikiki is it's like the mecca of learning how to surf, teach oh, people yeah, how to surf got, you know so know yeah it's like a dribbly little white water wave just the best wave ever we longboarded most of our childhood so i was over pipe and backdoor and everything um Seth, on the other hand, he was opposite. Like, he was always, like, the kid who was just, like, oh, that's sketchy. I'm going to go do it. Like, mm. just head in, you know? So that was a long process for me to learning how to surf pipe and being comfortable with that type of fear. Um, I'll never forget. I was around, like, 14. Just at the age, you kind of, like, when you're from Hawaii, kind of, like, if you want to be one of the guys out there, you got to, you know, paddle out. Not Maybe necessarily like, catch a wave or anything, but just be out there and mm. be comfortable with it. And I remember being on the beach and Seth was out there already and just sitting next to my mom, just being like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to go out there. Like I'm so scared right now. And I didn't go out and I was totally okay with that. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was like, I don't, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. Like it's me, it's my decision. You know, I'm, I knew I was young. So, but over the years, it just like, just heading out there and just, it's a slow, long process, especially for me. Like I'm a very slow learner, but I'm always pretty good at just like, inching my way up a day day at a time kind of deal i would say last year or not last year um two winters ago was probably the first winter i felt like comfortable at pipe to where mm -hmm. i was like okay i want the biggest set that comes in and i feel like i in the heavy lineup there is if it is coming my way i have somewhat of an authority to if mm -hmm. i'm in position i can go um but yeah it was just a really slow process for me um I think like the number one thing of getting over that fear for myself was just one, accepting the fact that everyone is scared. Uh, most people are scared out there and that fear is like, you know, you should, you should be almost more scared that you're not mm. have that sense of fear. Like fear is a good thing at pipe or any heavy wave or whatever the situation you're in. Um, it's just like your body telling yourself like, Hey, like be alert, be ready. Like you're, you're doing something dangerous so just be focused you know just try to slow things down and for me it's just when i'm out there i really just try to like almost slow time down mm. you know this the crowd is just next level there's people flying around like all these big names that you look up to you know they're all like dogging you bang banging your rails it's so <laughs> hectic so just like kind of just knowing your place in the lineup and just really believing in your ability that was mm. a huge one for me like I remember when all my friends my age were starting to like get crazy ones at pipe and I was like really struggling, like just really struggling at getting those proper waves. Um, I always just went right. Like mm. growing up when I was younger, I'd surf, I loved backside barrels. And then one winter when I was kind of like, I think I was 17, I was starting to get comfortable at pipe and I had two pretty bad wipeouts and I was like pretty over the left. So I like, I just, got smoked on a couple and I was like, you know what? I'm just going right. Like mm -hmm. I know how to pick them forehand. I can see everything. <laughs> I'm sticking to the rights when it's bombing. I could sit on the channel at pipe and just back door to the right, go straight in, paddle around easy. And that was my whole deal for a couple winters. And I remember I was ha after one winter, I had a pretty good winter of that back door. And this, one of these guys were like, oh, like you're a backdoor guy, huh? Like, just like giving me a compliment, not like dogging me at all. And that kind of like, kind of pissed me off to where I was like, what? I was like, I mean, you're fully right. Like I'm not spending time on the lefts at all, but I knew, I was like, I know I can go left. I, I feel like if anything, I'm probably better at backside barrel riding. So like 
after that year i was like you know what next winter i'm gonna like i have no more rights for me like i'm gonna go right still but i'm gonna spend time going left and i already told myself i was like you know you're not gonna get as many good waves next season but it's okay like you're mm-hmm. gonna just figure these lefts out and the yeah. positioning and everything and yeah kind of worked out yeah i think that's fascinating i feel, yeah. I feel like so many surfers who listen to this podcast will be really intrigued by your description just then of your sort of upbringing with pipe because yeah. i think it'll give people the acceptance and the understanding that it doesn't come overnight for everyone no especially you hawaiian guys like yeah. not everyone can be barren out there <laughs> yeah like barren was like barren was like 12 and i was like 17 and the guy was getting bigger and better ones than me and i didn't even care i was like that's you're the man <laughs> you I, I, I really love the way that you say you didn't care because i feel like so many people would feel that overwhelming mm-hmm. pressure especially for you having a younger brother who is so talented out there yeah. as well with maybe a lot less fear yeah but your understanding of yourself sounds really hum it's quite nice the way that you described that you yeah. were okay with that feeling yeah i'm gonna fast forward now to last year it's been a crazy 12 months for you what was your mindset going into the challenger series last year so for anyone listening this was a tour that i went on last year around to portugal france hawaii and California Josh was on the same tour last year what was the mindset going into that tour obviously qualification was a big mindset for you yeah for sure honestly going into last year I I feel like mentally I wasn't really in the best place like I wasn't really like just confident in myself I um you know obviously we had those two years of COVID and I I kind of stepped away from surfing a bit. I just surfed when it was good, kind of just try to enjoy life. You know, I knew it was like everyone was dealing with struggles. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to surf when the waves are good, kind of do my thing, not really train, didn't train at all. I actually just got off fat and just did my thing. And then, you know, when they announced the Challenger Series, I was like, well, obviously I got to do it. And I knew I was out of shape. So I kind of just got on this like pretty gnarly workout routine and just you know, just on the program you need to do to be, get ready for these events. And then, yeah, I didn't really feel too confident. I, I felt like I was surfing good, but just I didn't have that confidence you need when you're competing. You know, you need to back yourself 100% when you're competing at this level. Um, mm. That's like, in my opinion, the most important thing. Um, I yeah, pretty, I, yeah, I felt pretty similar going into last year. Yeah. It's kind of this weird, like, oh, we've had a couple of years of COVID. Mm. I was the same. I've been obviously building my business, yeah. building this podcast and a whole bunch of other things. And I went into the year with like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy this. Like yeah. I'm about to travel around the world again. Like this is epic. Yeah. So let's go first event for you, Huntington. How was that? Yeah. So first event, um, I felt good over there actually. You know, um, I always loved competing at Huntington. You know, for the US guys, we um, always had our nationals there and a bunch of juniors events. So I always feel it's like kind of like a second home to me, California, because mm. it's so close to Hawaii. So I felt good over there, um, kind of just got in a, made a heat and then got in, you know, just the QSC, slow waves at Huntington. You kind of, kind of just get wave starved. Um, had a fairly close heat, just kind of undersurfed my waves and got clipped right at the end. And yeah, I got, I made one or two heats. I can't even really remember, but it was a pretty lackluster event. And then that kind of actually fired me up. Um, we had a big movie premiere. We're working on a snap four movie for like, I worked on it for like two years. It was the first time I really like mm. fully put all my energy into like an edit. And it was honestly like the most mentally just, I was really surprised how much it took out of me. Like, really? In what way? Because you had pressure on yourself to compete against other people's video parts and you were like. Yeah, more so I just didn't, I was like, 
I just don't want to look like a coot compared to everyone else. Like, I just want my, I don't care if I win or not. I just want my video to be up there with everyone else's. Um, I was just surprised. Like, obviously, like we deal with pressure in events and getting mm -hmm. ready for the events, but just, you know, you spend all this money to go on a trip and then you're leaving two weeks later and you're just like scratching your head. Like, oh, I just dropped like eight grand on this trip and I didn't get one clip for the movie. Oh, you know what crazy. I mean? <laughs> So it was just, that was like the part that was like pretty not tough or anything. Like I always enjoyed myself on the trips and obviously, but like it was more so when I got home and realized like, okay, that was a sick trip. And then I looked at everything and I was like, oh, I don't really have anything for my section. Mm. So that kind of took a toll for sure of just like, just a different type of pressure I've never felt before. Yeah. And then yeah. the premiere came out at Huntington because your section was sick, by yeah. the way. You know? yeah, thank <laughs> I'm you. sure after you've been taught by enough people that yeah. incredible. But so you had the premiere in Huntington. That yeah. Was fun. Yeah. The premiere was sick. Um, that got me, that kind of like got me pretty fired up. Just finally seeing like the whole project finished of everyone's section, you know, like all the crews in the movie were all pretty tight. So just seeing everyone's section in my section in the, that was like the first proper premiere I was ever in. So that was like super cool. And that got me actually pretty fired up for Europe. I was like, you know, like maybe this is like a little momentum mm -hmm. I can use to head into Portugal and, yeah, I went up there like pretty much directly after, got ready for the comp. And that event, I felt like I felt really good, like in the free surf, like usually like Ribera, you know, the deal. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. kind of a nightmare getting ready. Your boards kind of always feel like pretty average out there. Everything feels average out there. But I felt good and I was like, kind of always getting good waves in the free surf so i was like you know maybe oh we had a hard first heat. yeah, yeah it was me yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. would well, you tell the heat from your side and then i'll tell from my side so yeah we freak that he vasco was, we had vasco and the, what's that french guy's name he's a good surf i can't remember his name but he rips um so the tide was dropping and the after, before we paddled out i remember the deep section like kind of being really good and then right before our heat started the tide drained out and i was like you know I'm and not... i went up there by myself yeah i was like oh i'm gonna change the program i'm gonna go surf the main peak and then we ran out i remember seeing you like way on the top i was like oh okay so i knew you're obviously surfing the top by yourself i was like okay well this is like cooper's on his own i knew you're gonna get a few quick a quick start on us i was like he's for sure gonna put us behind the ball before we even probably get a wave or at least two waves. Mm -hmm. I knew you would have two scores right away. Um, I actually started the heat off pretty good. I got a six or something. I got a really good wave that again, I just kind of just undersurfed. I got the wave and I knew it was so good. I was like, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, the waves are pretty slow right now. I feel like if just bag a score and just get a score and just gain momentum, get a score. And I knew if, I knew the rotation I was in, I'd get back into first priority fairly quick. And I did that, got back out straight into first priority. And then I remember you already had like a pair of sixes or something. Yeah, I think I got a good one right at the start, yeah. right at the top, and then came down and got one next to you guys yeah. too or something. I remember you got like two really quick, like, but I was like, all good. I knew I, I had, I'm pretty sure I had you matched score. on one score. So I was like, okay. It's all good. And then the heat that the way it changed for me was I missed one that slid under us and then Vasco got it and got like a seven. And then I was like, oh, now I need a good wave again. <laughs> so I sat at the back and kind of just I remember just kind of just sitting there forever. And I don't think I even rode another wave. Mm -hmm. I might have got like a three or something, but yeah. I kind of just like I feel like I just starved myself out of that heat. Yeah, it's, it's so cutthroat. Yeah. Eh? Like, it's, like thinking back to how many yeah. heats we've surfed and mm -hmm. lost, it's like. 
you start the heat good and then one little thing doesn't go your yeah. way. Like you said, one wave comes underneath you yeah. and that's you're like, whoop, trip to Europe. <laughs> yeah. Hang up the, this event, go yeah. to the next one. It's yeah. like, but you didn't get to the next event. No. Let's talk about that. Cause that was something like after hearing about what happened, I was like, holy shit. Like I might've just surfed like Josh's last ever heat he yeah. has to surf. So yeah. let's talk about the day leading. Oh, well, like let's talk about the morning of your accident and yeah. what happened. So after I lost, I was obviously pissed. Like <laughs> you're never happy losing. Um, but you know, I Portugal's actually been the only place I've traveled to to free surf that we go to compete at. You know, I've always like spent extra time there. I, I love the place, the waves, the people. Um, became really good friends with a few people over there. Um, so after I lost, the forecast was insane. So I was like, you know what, minor, like let's go get some waves. Um, I teamed up with Cody Young and Ian Gentil, who I grew up surfing, competing against my whole life um that day was you know the forecast looked good and we knew super tubes was going to be good was, so i was like let's boys let's crack it like let's get there let's go get some barrels for sure like mm. that'll be sick uh we pulled up to super tubes and i remember like just walking down just being so frothed out like i was like look at this day we have like it's a sunny it's offshore the waves weren't even it wasn't firing or anything but it was still like you know fun little barrels so i was like mm. we're on the qs and we're gonna get barreled like you can't really complain about that when you get waves. So yeah, I remember just paddling out, seeing a bunch of friends I haven't seen in a couple of years, just having a really good time. Actually, I was having a pretty good session, like just catching a lot of waves out there. And if you surfed out there, the crowd is pretty next level. It's like a mini pipe deal. Mm. Um, but yeah, I remember sitting out the back and this TP was just coming my way. It was probably one of the bigger sets that were coming in for the day. It was like maybe four foot or so. And it looked like it just had like that perfect triangle look you mm. want to see when you're surfing that beachy. And I was like, oh, right here, somehow I'm going to get this wave. I remember just taking off and thinking I was just going to slide straight into this perfect right barrel. And once I took off, it kind of like hit like the weird current thing and yeah. it kind of just crumbled and got all weird. And I just kind of raced it down the line and once it hit this weird part of the soundbar, I had to straighten out and I actually flipped the wave off. No. Right before, yeah. So I'm never doing that one again. I flipped the wave off and like was all grumpy and flung my board out. And when I flung my board out, I remember I thought I rode out long enough to kind of just like flop back, but I ended up like just timing it perfectly with the lip. The lip landed on the water and I like, it felt like, I landed right behind the lip. So like when the lip lands, you know how it kind of like scoops the water yeah. out? It felt like I just went straight down and just connected to the sand right away. Just like backwards like this. I just went boom. And I hit and then my body, I just remember my body going into like the craziest shock. Like just like the fastest. It felt like someone just grabbed electricity and just like hit me with it. And I, I remember I just, I knocked out underwater. I like fainted my eyes. I just remember everything just closing. Like, and then I, I just remember telling myself like, Hey, you got to wake up. Like you're in trouble. You need to get up. And I kind of came to underwater and I was like, so confused on what was going on. I was like, what, where am I? I didn't even realize really where I was at the moment. And I kind of had a second to just like contain myself of like, okay, like you need to swim up to the surface. You just, I think you just knocked out. And I remember trying to kick off the sand because it's shallow there. You can yeah, kick yeah. off the sand and then nothing. Like my legs just weren't working. I was like, what? I was like, okay, swim. And then nothing again. I was like, holy shit. Like what's going on right now? Like 
I was like, I think, I was like, I think I'm paralyzed. I don't really know what's going on. I, am I paralyzed? And I realized I had no control over my body. I couldn't move anything from my neck down. So I was kind of pretty tripped out, but it was weird in my mind. Like somehow I went straight into like survival mode. Like I instantly just told myself like, just get comfortable down here. Cause I think you're going to be down here for a while. Um, luckily I had a thick suit on that day. So the rubber pulled me up to the surface and in my head the whole time, I was like, okay, if you break the water, just try to scream for help because the way I fell, I was like, no one's, no one's going to be looking for me. Cause mm. it was just, you know, a pin drop. Like yeah, you're not, well. yeah, you're not going to be looking out for someone who falls like that. So I remember hitting the surface and they're just being foam. I couldn't even really like fully get my head out of the water. I could always get my eyes out of the water. And I remember trying to say help, but like, even when I started talking, my, I, my brain felt so scrambled. I fully couldn't even like get my words out. Like, even though I was thinking it, mm. my thinking was really clear, but my, even my like lips weren't even fully going. I remember just going like, oh, like kind of like struggling saying help. And my friend Rao who was piling out, he, that's what he heard. So I didn't even really get a breath in another wave hit me. And I was still like, so confused on what was going on. Again, I was underwater trying to get up to the surface, but legs, arms are still like completely just not working. And that's when I was like, holy shit, like you're in, you're in trouble right now. Like you got to mm-hmm. just like stay calm. Like just I was just trying to stay composed. And I was prior to this injury, I was spearfishing a lot. So I kind of just like try to use my technique of diving, of just relaxing underwater. And the weirdest part was every time I was underwater, it was like, the most weird feeling. I was almost so relaxed because I couldn't feel anything. I it felt like I was in like zero gravity or something. Like it felt like I was just like I couldn't feel the water. I felt like I was just like almost to the feeling like you'd think you're floating in space. That's what it felt like. I was just like almost relaxed. And the only time I'd ever struggle was hitting the surface because I knew I could get the oxygen. That was that's when I'd panic. Is every time I'd hit this oxygen, I'll start panicking to get my breath in. Um, so that second wave hit me and then when i finally came up my board was faced like right at me and i kept every time i pop up from a wave i was always pointed towards the beach and i couldn't see commotion on the beach because the wave's only 15 feet off the Mm. beach so i was like holy shit no one sees me right now like i i thought i was just gonna have to get washed up to the beach um so anyways i came up and my tail was like sticking at my face and just i was just like I remember like biting down on my leash, trying to like pull my head up so I can get a full breath in. Cause I was like just sucking in foam and everything. And as I bit in another wave, just what the third wave hit me, boom, my leash wraps around my neck. And right there, I was like, oh, like I was tripping. I was like, oh, I think I'm, this, a, is, uh, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm a, I might die right now. Um, and I was just like panicking. Like it did a full turn around my neck. And somehow it just like spun me out with it. That's what it felt like. And it released. And I was just like absolutely panicking underwater, like tripping. Um, I remember like as I was panicking, I remember just telling myself like, no, you're not going to die in a panic. I was like, you might die right now, but you're not dying panicking. I just told myself that. And I was just like, it was the craziest feeling ever. I remember just like thinking of my nieces, my nephews. It's like, fuck, I'm not going to like be able to say bye to anyone or like like say goodbyes Mm -hmm. and that was like just the craziest feeling ever like 
that moment I've learned so much on of just like living a good life because like, you know, I even like didn't, I remember I actually got in a fight with one of my brothers before this happened and I was just like underwater. It's like, wow, like that's the last thing memory of my brother is like being in an argument. I was like, this is so heavy. Like I remember just like towards the end of my breath hold, I thought I was going to go out and just like, I hope everyone just like knows it's okay. Like, mm. like I'm okay. Like I lived, I remember like just accepting everything. It's like, you know, I lived a really good life just, and I always went for it. And I was just kind of like almost hopeless. It was the weirdest, craziest feeling ever. It was super like such a crazy feeling of just like, emotions going on um i just remember and this is like, all just in like a minute huh yeah like it was it's crazy when you're going through something like this on like time stops time stops and like how fast you can think like i felt like i had like five or ten minutes on there of thinking but mm -hmm. it was like i'm not too sure how long it was but i was just thinking of just like wow like my girlfriend like she doesn't deserve to be dating a guy that just dies mm -hmm. at like 20 like what does that look like for her just like so many things were just going through my head and right as i thought i was kind of i was like okay i'm pretty sure this is what blacking out feels like i remember my head like just popping up out of the water and then rayo inaba was like five feet away from me it was the first time i turned around looking towards the ocean and they're coming from the peak to come in and grab me and i still couldn't breathe and i was like really struggling but i could see him just like freaking out like paddling towards me and i was like holy shit i think i'm i'm gonna make through make it through this and he just grabbed me and like i was just telling him i was like just get my head out of the water and give me a fuck just give me right. a breath like please just in my head i was just please just give me one breath he got me up got a little breath in there was like full scramble fast just got whacked by another wave boards everywhere and at this point, I like, I was so relieved. I didn't even care. I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm living. Like, mm. I'm, I'm gonna be okay. Um, so he ended up just grabbing me and keeping me up. Um, Mason Ho was also there. So he, those two were like really making sure I was secure. And they just, I was just like, don't let go of me. I was like, I can't feel anything. Just, just hold on to me. Um, so we got like washed into the beach, and I got extremely lucky. A lifeguard from California was bodyboarding there. And he just ran in and he put me into what's called a C-spine. So they brace your neck from like under your arms and they hold you up like this to make sure like if you have any type of spinal injury, um, it's pretty much the most supportive way to carry someone up the beach. And I, I immediately knew I had to be in that position. Luckily, I've taken a course on it before. So I, when Mason was looking at me, I was like, I was like, I think you need to put me in the C-spine thing, blah, blah, blah. And Nick, just the guy, Nick, his name's Nick Wapner. Um, he got in, grabbed me, they carried me up the beach. And I it was crazy because like I went from thinking I'm gonna die to getting carried up the beach. And I was just like, I felt so defeated because I couldn't mm. I couldn't feel anything from my neck down. I was like, wow. I was like, yes, I'm alive. And then I just try to move my hands while they carry me. I was like, holy shit, like I'm paralyzed right now. Like from the neck down. I don't even have my hands. Mm. So that was a craziest mixed emotions of being extremely grateful to be alive still but like i was like wow i'm gonna be i don't know what life's gonna look like for me and i was like so 
at that point I was so numb of just like emotions because it was just like I was just like what's going on right now like this can't be happening to me like what did I do mm. <laughs> that's like what I was thinking I was like what did I do to deserve this which is such a bad way of thinking of it but that's where my head was at at the moment um so I was just like on the beach laying there just tripping out like this like please just wake up from this nightmare mm. um yeah I was just kind of there and then when I was on the beach I got this crazy like spark of like it felt like again someone just jolted me with electricity and I thought that was my body shutting off like I thought that was like the last feeling of anything I was going to feel like it just like felt like it just rushed down my whole body I was like that was a cold I think that was like the last feeling I'm going to feel right there and I was just tripping laying down and then a couple minutes in they're like okay like let's like can you move your feet I was like no no and then I slowly like just barely wiggled my toes and I was like holy shit like please like that was like the biggest glimpse of hope for me so I like I immediately kind of like try to put myself in somewhat of a positive mindset I knew it was super important to just like just tell myself I'm immediately healing my friend's dad was actually on the beach and he was like he was just kind of talking me through he was like Josh is just like stay calm like you need to I want you to vision your nervous system working together your muscles starting to fire up just like he was just rubbing my legs he's like everything's from the brain to your feet just think of everything working together and I was just like I was doing it and that kind of just kept me in a pretty solid like mental space um yeah and then they got me on the stretcher I got in the uh, ambulance the drive on the beach was probably the worst feeling of pain I've ever felt in my life just like bouncing in the car I was like oh my god like this is like what is so feeling it come back to most of your body by then or just no not not no deep pain it was more just like deep pain in my neck I couldn't I couldn't feel I still couldn't feel anything from my neck down like I mean I could I could feel stuff but it wasn't like I couldn't move at all and I was honestly just like trying to hold it together mentally the whole time just like trying my hardest to be like not positive but just in a good headspace because I I already knew I was like this is going to be a gnarly Mm. gnarly few days weeks year I'm not too sure so I was just like just trying to stay calm and trying to just be present in the situation I was in um yeah we got I actually had to get airlifted out from Panish to Lisbon um and this that whole day was just like it was so heavy like Mm. I got to the hospitals just the hospital was crazy because it's a public hospital there and they're just like putting me in corners because it was just like packed with people, just people like screaming in pain, like just so hectic. I was like, holy shit, like what's going on? Like, I remember everyone like asking us like, oh, what do we do? Do we call your mom? Like, what? and I, I was on the beach. I was like, do not call my mom right now. I was like, do not call my mom. I grabbed my friend. I was like, she'll freak out. Yeah, I was like, it's like, I already knew. I was like, it's like 2 a.m. in Hawaii. Do not call any of my family. Like, I'm alive. So just, just let them have their last few hours few hours of sleep because i knew they're gonna be tripping when I wake when up. they wake up so yeah i got finally got to the hospital it took a couple hours from panish to the hospital just to get the helicopter there and did everything. anyone go with you in the helicopter no no one came with me but um Reynos met you at the yeah Reynos and pretty much all my friends in the event like from hawaii they all drove to the hospital to make sure i was okay um obviously they couldn't no one could come and see me due to like covid and everything all the True 
So that was pretty tricky. Luckily, they let Reynos into um, the ER room. I was staying in a 24-7, like, intensive care or something. Like, they had to make sure I was, they always had to have eyes on me just in case something happened while I was sleeping. Um, so he kind of just came in and I had, like, 20 minutes of words with him. And, yeah, it was heavy. Um, he kind of just brought me all my things. And it was pretty difficult for both of us. You know, Reynos is, like, kind of like a second dad to me you know mm. like he's been a part of my life since i was a baby and it was yeah it was crazy like just like he couldn't be there with me all night and he wanted to but he just i saw him that night yeah i like ran into him and like i was because it was a real somber feeling across yeah. like obviously the event like we're yeah. all competitors but we're all like really fit you know what yeah. i mean we all care for each yeah. other and obviously I do have a connection with yeah. you too. And when I heard that that day, like we were out like having drinks and it was like gnarly and we ran into rain. I was mm. like two in the morning, yeah. some, for some random reason, yeah. out on the street. And he was just like, so worried, but yeah. so calm. But so, it was just like a crazy feeling. It's yeah. like nothing any of us have really experienced. Yeah. Like it's crazy like, injury. Yeah. So when you're at the hospital, what did you, when did they kind of diagnose what had happened? Cause I can, like, I know you would have wanted to get back to America to get yeah. surgery if you needed surgery or what was that next stage like in hospital? Yeah. So I got to the hospital, um, immediately did x-rays, CAT scans, MRIs. The MRI machine was the gnarliest thing ever. Cause I had to go in head first. And if you've been in the MRI machines, they're freaking so loud. They're loud. I couldn't put headphones on. I had to go in head first and I get claustrophobic and the tubes are pretty small, small yeah. and like, I'm wide, so I was, like, rubbing on the thing the whole time, just, like, trying to not have anxiety attack. Just, like, it was so heavy. But anyways, I got I got the results back, and um, it was, like, the biggest scramble mission to try to get all the film and MRI documents back to Reno's, printed onto a computer, or loaded onto a computer to send it to the States to get... Um, you know, just second opinions. Um, they wanted to rush me into emergency surgery the next day. And I was just like, I was laying in bed. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, just give it a second. What, why are you rushing? Like, what's going on? I was like, do I need to do it to like walk or something? Like, is that why we need to do it? And they're like, no, like we want to get you into surgery tomorrow morning. And I was just like, I was like, well, I don't even know what's wrong with me. Like they told me what was wrong with me, but I don't know. What they like, say. So I, what happened was I fractured my C6 facet. And then I ruptured my six and seven discs. So the facet is pretty much like you have your vertebrae and it's the knuckle on the side. So what it does, it keeps everything in balance. So I, I broke that bone off. And your neck, yeah. And my neck, the right side of my neck. So every, all the damage was to the right, um, right side of my neck. So they're going into the surgery. I had to get surgery on the part I fractured and... Uh, my ruptured disc luckily the surgeon who went in he knew um he heard i was a professional surfer and going in i was i think it was like i'm not too sure i can't remember it was like to fix a fracture it's like two plates above your two vertebrates and two below so it's you got a lot of hardware in there mm -hmm. but um when he went in there he's the, the way the bone was sitting he was like you know i think he made the call of not doing an operation on it because um he was like i think it, he has a chance of it growing back naturally and that'll be way better for his career um wow so he took that risk and that was a doctor in portugal in portugal yeah so sorry i actually um i wanted 
to get out of Portugal, obviously. Yeah, like, yeah. you want to go to, I didn't even care. I was like, just get me to the US, yeah. please. Like anything like. It's hard because you're by yourself there. No yeah, family, no COVID family. time. So, you, yeah. and you've got a broken neck, so you can't even move. <laughs> no, so yeah. Like, Fuck, man. Yeah. But yeah, keep going. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, so I was just, I was tripping, trying to get back to the US. So that's why we we're scrambling to get my documents to doctors in the US. Um, luckily, I was in contact with this guy named Dr. Masi. He, um, he was the surgeon for Billy Kemper when, and he did his Billy's for recovery. So, he was in contact. I was in contact with him, and he has some. He's connected to really good um, spinal surgeons, so he got opinions from all his friends, and they pretty much told me, "Hey, you can't go on a plane yet. Like, mm -hmm. do not travel with this." They're like uh, Portugal, the medical team in Portugal's. They're really good. Yeah. Everyone up there, like the their doctors are really good, and you'll be fine to do the surgery over there. It's not too complicated. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay, like perfect. I'll do it here. And then when I made the decision to do this, I told them like, okay, I want to do the surgery here. They're like, okay, well, we're, it's the weekend. We don't do surgeries on the weekend. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? No surgeries on the weekend? They're like, yeah, you got to wait till Monday's the soonest day you can do it. So I had Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of just like, they're like, so for these three days, you got to make sure you don't move. That's all they told me. I was like, what do you mean? Like, don't move because... I might trigger something or a nerve or whatever. Just, you can't move. Your, like, it's not so, like you can just sit on your phone yeah. or anything. You're just three days of meditation. Yeah. So I had three days before my surgery of just looking at this wall, just up like this, trying to stay as still as possible, just in pain, so much discomfort. I just, I couldn't move. I still had sand all over me. Um, I was just like, my mind was just going all over the place. Like, wow. like, oh, I'm happy to be alive. And then I was like, just like, in tears of like just anxiety i felt like to break it down it felt like someone just stuffed a ball of just every type of emotion you can think of of happiness sadness whatever it is just everything and it felt like someone just dropped it on, on my head at once i was just like the craziest thing ever i was i still have a hard time explaining yeah, it honestly yeah. it's just I mean, like you're doing so well sharing it um it was so intense but the biggest help was just like I was just getting so many calls and messages from everyone, you know, just like, hey, like. And how are you answering them and stuff? I will, so I could, my right hand, my right side of the body was working, like at least my right hand was yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. So I could use my phone, even though I, all the damage was on the right side of my neck, my left side was the side that was like pretty numb and pretty fatigued. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I could move my legs at this point. I knew I was going to get my legs back. But I still haven't done my surgery. So I, yes. and obviously with the language barrier, I wasn't, I didn't even want to ask them questions I wasn't ready to hear. So I really didn't ask them much. I was just kind of just like, I'm locked in. There's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. Just, just, I was just trying to stay calm as possible. Um, so I was just like, I had my phone on my right hand, but even like being on the phone, just like it was just too much going on. Like I'd, I'd look at my phone and just, do a swipe on Instagram to check my messages to like just in simple messages to my friends and family, you know, just to let them know, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm okay. Thank you for yeah. all the help and everything. Um, yeah. So that was just like really, really crazy experience, but, um, sorry. I kinda, so you got the surgery done on Monday. Yeah. So I finally get the surgery done on Monday. Um, they're like, okay, you need to 
hopefully stay here for a couple of days and you can kind of leave and you have to you can't fly out yet but you can at least go into an apartment or something i was like cool okay sick couple of days couple of days goes by they're like you know one more day we don't want you to leave yet okay a couple of days go two more days go by like we don't want you to go out yet and i was like oh my god okay i'm okay with staying in the hospital but you need to get me out of this hospital because it was a public hospital mm-hmm. with covid so did you have family there by now they flown over yeah so my mom guys flew in but with the public hospital they could only visit me for like 20 minutes and the room i was in was i had three other people in it so like all the noise like i was towards the end of my stay at that hospital i had to get transferred to hospitals towards the end of my stay i was like freaking pretty losing it just because on the the noise like you know you have all the machines you're hooked up to and all our machines were going off at different times like for hours i could i could hear people screaming in other rooms guys next to me and just as much pain as me or even worse i'm not too sure so uh the whole time i was there i'll just put my headphones on no music anything because just any any type of noise or stimulation was just i couldn't handle it so i'll just like throw my noise canceling headphones on and just sit there it'll die i'll charge it load it up again throw them on again and that's what i was doing for seven days in the public hospital um i didn't eat anything for a week just because i i couldn't i couldn't put down any of the food there serving in the hospital you know it's like they're giving us like fish like you know like portuguese oh, food like, dinner. yeah <laughs> i was like i like fish i i fish all the time i eat fish that's like the main thing but i was like not right now like get me not in hospital food. yeah i was just like oh this is heavy i was hungry and everything i couldn't eat my um i was just in like extreme discomfort never really experienced anything close to that um so at the seventh day when I realized I, I still had time, I was like, okay, please like take me to a private hospital. Like, I don't care what it costs. I'll pay for it. Like I need to get out of here. I'm going to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. Like just get me in a room with AC. So there's no, not even AC in our oh. room. So I was like, I was sweating. I was just like tripping out. I was like, just please get me into my own hospital bed. And like, and I finally got taken to a private hospital um and then that was the only time my girlfriend could kind of and my mom could like fully like stay in the room with me and like that was like the biggest hurdle of my whole trip i was like so happy to be in a a room with like you know people that love me and i love them it was just like that felt like the biggest like step forward i'd taken Mm. in my whole in that whole week or 10 days or whatever it was yeah yeah, start of the recovery yeah then what's the next stage? How do you get out of Portugal? Yeah, so and surgery like went well and stuff. Yeah, they so said. so surgery went really well after the doctor explained to me like so we didn't do the surgery on your fracture, but if you want to step back, if it doesn't heal in three months, you're gonna have to get it fixed. But he was like, honestly, he explained it to me as in like you may as well take the risk because if you do the surgery we have now, there's no saying of. Mm. what your restrictions are going to be after so i was like yeah cool like three months that's nothing in my head i was like this is going to take hopefully a year i'm not too sure like the way my body was breaking neck you hear a breaking neck and like if i get told someone breaks their neck i'm like they never suffered again yeah like that's honestly that's where my headspace was like immediately i was like my surf career i didn't even care i was like i just want to be able to like if i can longboard again and like chase my nieces nephews around and just enjoy simple things in life i'm that's like that's where my goal was i was like that's like where my headspace was i didn't 
I could care less about my surf career at that point. Um, yeah, so I pretty much, I remember even after my surgery, like a few days, they're like, oh, you're going to walk today. I was like, what? I'm going to walk? I can't, I still can barely feel my left leg. Like I had pretty extreme nerve damage to the left side of my body. I was like, I can barely, you guys want me to walk? Okay. Like I remember getting up, just sitting up in my bed and I, I forgot what it, it's called, but when you're laying, when you're on your back for that long, I think your blood pressure gets super low. It's like a, it felt like a tense, um, sorry, when you like a lightheaded. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'd, I'd get up and like the world was spinning. The ground was spinning. This was like for a couple of weeks I was dealing with this. Um, I got to my feet and like, I couldn't even really walk. I was more, I was like, I'd like waddle, waddle. And that was like, when I did that, I was like, oh, okay, I'm okay. Like, I'm going to be okay. Like, mm. I'm, I'm, I'll be able to figure this out and yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be able to walk again. Cause they didn't even really tell me any of that. I, but I also wasn't asking those type of questions. Cause in my head, I was like, I ain't ready to hear mm. like, Hey, you're not going to walk for the rest of your life or you can't surf again or whatever those, I was too scared to ask questions. Cause I was like, you know, I ain't ready to hear those answers. Yeah. So I didn't even ask. Um, yeah, I remember standing up just being so happy, like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm on my feet right now. But the um the head rushes I'd get were way too intense. Um I actually fainted a couple of times in um in the hospital. I remember like a few days after my surgery, I finally got to take a shower, or I was supposed to take a shower. They're like, Hey, let's you want to take a shower? I was like, Oh, yes, please. Fuck. <laughs> like, please, a shower. I've been I'd pay. There's not enough money in the world to for me to pay for a shower right now please so they get me on the on the stretcher side, the stretcher no no oh, not the, the stretcher um, the walking I, machine or like no 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 bed, I, hospital bed no i can't believe i'm blacking out right now um <laughs> the chair where they roll your oh yeah wheelchair. yeah wheelchair <laughs> so, so they get me in the wheelchair and i'm just like in the highest spirits and they're trying to tell me like hey you got to take it like keep your emotion you got to try to keep your emotions in check like check because of like the when you're laying down you can't like just use all your energy mm-hmm. or you're gonna have a hard time i was like what they get me on the wheelchair i'm just like oh my god i'm finally going to shower i get i get to the um the first shower room and someone was in that and the girl's like oh, okay there's one right like right around the corner let's go and she turned me around in the wheelchair and when she turned me around this the freaking whole building just starts just rotating and i was like oh I was like, I think I'm going out right now. Right as I try to tell her, like, I'm going to faint. I remember just falling face first on the ground, just on the ground. And next thing I know, I'm on a stretcher again in the hospital, laying, looking up. I was like, oh, my God, did I just, like, re-break my neck or what's going on? There, the um, nurse was just freaking out. She was, like, pretty funny and really outgoing, just, like, screaming, like, oh, my God, why are you doing this to me? I was like... I was like, am I okay? Like, what What just happened? She was like, you fainted. You're not showering. Like, you're going back to your bed. <laughs> so I go back to my bed. I was like, oh, shit, okay. And that's when I, like, I was like, okay, call my mom. I was like, mom, get me out of here, please. Like, whatever it takes, please, please, like. Get me on a flight back to Get me place. on a flight. Get me back into a, pri- get me into that private hospital. Mm-hmm. And just, like, getting to the private hospital. Yeah. It was massive. It was massive. I was just, like, my own room. The silence was crazy. It was, like not hearing those machines go off and just people screaming and just 
doctors running around because it's a pretty gnarly hospital mm. those public hospitals it's like you know it's everyone it's not just about you it's about yeah. everyone who needs help was there any moments that they kind of said you like you were this close to because like obviously with neck injuries like it's a spinal cord which yeah. is where the sort of nerves where you hear of like paraplegia and whatnot mm. did they let you know or have you heard it's like since like that you were very close to um they didn't give like specifics but the surgeon was just like hey you got extremely extremely lucky you're I can't tell you if you're going to make a full recovery yet because everyone's healing process is different and how their bodies react. But he's like, the fact that you can feel your feet right now, it's, he's like, you're really lucky. You're very close to being paralyzed or losing my life. He's like, so I was just like, oh, like the biggest, like mm-hmm. biggest bullet dodge ever. Crazy. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about the next stage from once you go from, mm-hmm. um, the private hospital back mm-hmm. to the states how's that journey on the plane and that next part of your recovery because i mean right now we're eight months <laughs> yeah. the track and you're 100 sitting here like yeah. nothing's happened yeah um, with a crazy story to tell but yeah. yeah what was that next stage of the recovery because i'm sure so many people listening for one be fascinated and so touched by your journey mm-hmm. and the story but i think the recovery journey is something i really want to touch on yeah right now. yeah so the recovery so i got out of the private hospital i spent 10 nights in the hospital so you're there for like three weeks. Um, yeah. So I went to my parent, my mom and my girlfriend got a pretty nice apartment in the city to where I was like close to the hospital because I still had to go and check in every day. Um, so I got out of the hospital, just kind of chilled, pretty much just laid down for like mm-hmm. those three weeks in Portugal. Just was still just trying to hold everything together. Yeah, and uh, I think it was at a three year, uh, th- three week mark. They're like, hey, you can, you're cleared to travel. I, I think I did one more scan before they cleared me. Yeah, I did one more MRI. And they're like, okay, you're you're good to leave. Like everything looks stable enough for you to um get on a plane. Get on a plane to head home. So I was like, oh, okay. Business class? Yeah, lay flat for sure. I was <laughs> like, there's no way I could sit down. I was like cattle class. Yeah. There's <laughs> I was like, there's I was like, yeah. So luckily WSL um, yeah. yeah, WSL Insurance squared me away. They got me. They got me into first class and they got my girlfriend actually right there as like assistance because I yeah. still needed help to get like in and out of the out of the plane. Um, yeah. And everything. Uh, yeah. Got home and pretty much just went straight into physical therapy and just two flights. Yeah. Lisbon, LA, I went, LA. No. So I went Lisbon, New York, New York, straight home. Okay. Yeah. And it was pretty good. I got I we broke it up too. we went to New York, spent the night there and kind of chilled and then went took the final and are you in a wheelchair by here kind of thing getting around yeah i was in a wheelchair getting around i could at this point i was i was walking not like extremely like comfortably walking it was like just really fatiguing my body like since i didn't eat and just my body Mm. was in so much shock i lost uh it was crazy how much muscle i was losing like i remember leaving the hospital and i could wrap my hands around my leg like this and there's like space between it and my whole life, I've had like big old tree trunks of legs. Like, <laughs> typically can't even touch my fingers. And I remember having like space between it. I was like, holy shit, like, what's going on? What's going on right now? I feel like my body was just like crumbling on me. And yeah, it was a mission to get home, but it was like the biggest accomplishment. I got home. I was like, I felt like I could breathe again. I was like, oh, okay. Like, but even when I got home, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, can I? 
go home and live with just my girlfriend or do I need to go move in with my parents again and like kind of have an extra set of eyes on me and luckily I, luckily my girlfriend pretty much is like my nurse for like the first month couple months when I really needed like mm. eyes on me she was like going to work coming home taking me to physical therapy going back to work picking me up just shout like, out to your girlfriend yeah bloody yeah. good human i might have to get her on the yeah she was well. like she was my rock through everything she's she would have to shower me dude like it was pretty nuts crazy she was like i couldn't have gotten through it without her mm. yeah wow so let's talk about that recovery that next little stage yeah and then to finish i just want to touch on the kind of mindset that you're in right now yeah. about how you view life because a, a traumatic experience like that has obviously changed a lot of your perspective of life but what happened through your physical recovery because i mean like i touched on before it's like what eight months ago now probably yeah, and you're about months. to compete in the <laughs> highest level of surfing again what was the turning point because i spoke to you out in surf the other day and you said there was just a month where you just went bang what were you doing mm -hmm. was there a lot of because i don't know how much you know about meditation mm -hmm. and joe Dispenza and all this different yeah. stuff what was your healing journey like was it just very intensive therapy was there like any different techniques or something that got used what was the journey like so it was um honestly for the from the very beginning i was just like okay like i still didn't ask if like when i started physical therapy and got home i didn't start asking about surfing or anything like that until like a month or so down the line until i like started to like kind of settle into what was going on with me um so i went straight into therapy and uh, honestly the first few weeks i just had to really take it slow because they wanted my bone to heal they didn't want me to start wrenching around before mm -hmm. that bone healed because it was sitting in a good place they're like okay we're going to take it pretty easy for these six six weeks to a month pretty much my physical therapy was just like i'd go in and i'd get hooked up to some machines like the therapy machines and i'll just like kind of like walk from wall to wall just pretty much trying to learn how to walk smooth again because i was for a while, I was just like kind of just like penguin style, just waddling everywhere. Um, but my whole thing, the way I approached it, I was just like, you know, I'm every day I'm going to every day I'm just going to do at least one thing to be better, uh, whatever that was, whether it's mentally, physically, whatever that was. I'd always every week I'd write down a goal of what my goal was. And then I'd write down what I needed to do to get there. So whether that was walking a block further than I was last week or lifting a pound heavier of weight or yeah, just whatever it was, I just mm -hmm. kind of always had that mind frame of don't shoot for the end. We're going to just one step at a time and just be present and all these things. Cause the whole time I was like, you know, there's, when you get an injury, there's good days where you feel good and there's bad days where you're really struggling mentally and physically. So I was just like really trying to just keep myself centered the whole time. Mm. What happened in that month that you said you kind of accelerated? Because I bet you weren't even three months ago thinking about competing at this oh, level. Yeah. yeah, so like right around three and a half months, I I kind of got to a point where I was like, you know, I could kind of start like, not pushing weights around, but just being a little more active in my daily lifestyle too. Um, I remember, sorry, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to get going. So at three and a half months, um, 
I just kind of picked up the pace. I started, I did physical therapy and then I added, um, I started working out too with, I have a couple of friends at home that have this amazing program. Uh, it's called Itani Athletic Program. They pretty much just focus on your, like your foundation of your body. Mm. So I was working between my PT guys and then them. And I think the most important thing that I did from what I've learned from all my past injuries, um, was just listening to my body. I was like, you know, it was really hard to figure out those times where I was just wanting to just take a day off just to chill or if I was just needed to push through, you know, like that. There's like moments where I was like, okay, like my body's fatiguing. I actually just need to chill out right now. Mm. Just take take the rest of the day off or, or the different feeling of me just wanting to kind of give up and not push through whatever exercise or thing I was doing at that time. So that was, I feel like that was probably the most beneficial thing was just, it was the first time in my life. I like really like just listened to what my body was trying to tell me. And I feel like I did a pretty good job of that. Yeah, <laughs> man, you're back. I was, yeah. I was literally down the beach the other day at Snapper and saw you run past. I was like, what? Like, yeah. I was so baffled that, that you were there. But yeah. Two last things I want to finish on quickly. How much has your perspective on life changed since that moment? Oh, man. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I've always been fairly positive and like try to like be a good person my whole life. Um, but one thing, the biggest thing that's changed as this me just living in the moment um i've always been like a pretty big overachiever of just like seeing my goal way down there setting like some crazy goal and trying to just jump to it instead of just being in the moment enjoying like you know like this conversation like actually like being here enjoying it Mm. um that's been a big one for me of just like being in the moment Um, enjoying all the little things I have in my life the people just you know when you're sitting around and you're healthy with your friends like enjoy that because you never know when that might get that might just get taken away from you like that and you're gonna be laying in your back like me just like wow I can't believe like all those times on all those trips when I was pissed off because something minor wasn't going right and Mm. I was like why was I thinking like that like I would kill for that moment right now so Kind of just enjoying everything, honestly. It's yeah. been the biggest thing for me. And yeah. just trying to like, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, been, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Like that story is, I feel, I know so many people are going to listen to this and yeah. just be blown away by the journey, your way to articulate what happened from yeah. the moments of trying to get your breaths to getting up the beach. Yeah. And you told that story so eloquently. And yeah, it's phenomenal to hear. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you about before I ask my last question mm-hmm. to ask everyone is what was it like getting back in the water for you? Do you have any fear now when you're ejecting from waves and stuff? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that might be something. Well, I, yeah, just as we're going yeah. through, I was like, far out, like going surfing now, like snapper rocks, a very shallow wave. Yeah. Like that sand's always there. Yeah. Like you've surfed your whole life over reef breaks yeah. of Hawaii and you do this injury at a shallow sand break. So w- what's that fear been like getting back in the ocean? So, yeah, actually getting that was a big one for me because um initially when I was got cleared to surf again, I was like, Oh, this is gonna be the best feeling ever. Like I didn't go in the water and surf again. I was like, it was like four and a half, five months when I started surfing again. Or like I got cleared to ease into it. And I was like, Oh, this is gonna be awesome. I remember jumping in the water and like my body kind of like going into shock of like, what are you doing? Like, why are you on a surfboard and paddling right now? And I was just like, Whoa, like 
kind of like thought this feeling would be a little better. Um, I went, I surfed, I actually had a really good session, got like somehow a couple little barrels and I was like, that was super sick. But like, I wasn't really that psyched on how my body felt still. Like I was like, you know, that didn't really feel as good as I thought it would feel mentally because because of how my body feels on land. So I was kind of a little tripped out on that. So I kind of like toned it back a bunch after that. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't need to get in the water that much. So I kind of like just took it slow, you know, one surf a week, two surfs a week, mm. and then just really ease into it of um, kind of just like pushing the limit of what I could surf. And just like a big thing I did do was when I started kind of like getting the ball rolling of surfing and getting caught by waves, I, um, I'd put myself in positions on purpose of like getting caught by waves, like just so I knew it was controlled. So I'd, I'll just like purposely get caught by waves. I was like, you know, it's all good. I'm going to go and I was serving Haleva one day and it was like pretty solid. And there's some waves coming in. I was like, you know, I'm just going to go and see how I feel right now. And just like wow. put myself a little further in, obviously not just get smoked by the lip, but I was just go duck dive a couple of whitewashes and see how I mentally handle that. So I'd, and every surf I'll do that. Just like even when I was on the wave, I was like, okay, here's a section. It's pretty soft. I'm gonna do a turn and fall on purpose right now, mm. but have it like be in a more controlled environment instead of me like trying to go for a move and just like getting whiplash yeah. or anything. So I I kind of just took a somewhat of a safer approach, but yeah. yeah really controlled approach. Yeah. Super mature and yeah, I was just, interesting that awareness that you had around that. Yeah. So everything I started to do surfing was just like I always try to be in control of those things. Like even when I started to like realize, I was like, Oh shit, I think I can like, I think I might be able to make the first event. Like, but honestly, like it was kind of a big decision for me to come here because I wasn't too sure if I like was ready more, more so mentally, like physically and surfing wise, I feel like I'm fine and ready to go. But mentally I was just like, oh, do I want to go and do that? I'm not, I'm not too sure, but. Yeah, now that I'm here, I'm pretty fired up and stoked to be here. Yeah, man, it's it's going to be exciting to watch you compete yeah. in this event. I'm going to definitely be down here yeah. cheering you on and getting Thank to you. watch that comeback story. Remember yeah. Owen Wright after he yeah. injury came and won the event of Snapper, yeah. so yeah. I'm rooting for you. But Thanks. What's the goals moving forward now? Um, I mean, obviously, I want to qualify and you know, tour. I would love to do a couple years on tour with my brother. Mm -hmm. That was like something I've always dreamed of, of once I – decided uh you know the professional surfer route was the goal i wanted to do um that's like the biggest goal for me um but you know after that i after my experience of everything i'd love to like just help people mm. in some i'm not too sure in what way you know like what you're doing i i love it. actually um i took some of your stuff while i was injured um you're like the ending your day on three things you're grateful for no, I, yeah that was like the once i got home that was a, one of the first things i did holy so shit, i still do that i every day i'm i think it's super important to talk being grateful for things and then also like give yourself um compliments too like mm. i was always super hypercritical on myself and just like you're blowing it you're not working hard enough you're not good enough all these things but you know you gotta you gotta give yourself some positive positive feedback too so yes yeah. those are some things i always end my day of what i'm grateful for and what are like a few things i did today that 
I'm happy I did. Yeah, yeah man. That's yeah. so cool. I know so many people would have, are going to listen to this podcast and be very inspired by your story. <laughs> so don't don't worry. You're definitely yeah. helping people with just sharing your story in yeah. such an authentic way. And it's, um, yeah, your way to tell that story. Like you've got a public speaking game <laughs> that happened based on just sharing your story yeah. and inspiring people yeah. to not lose hope and to yeah. reflect on their life. Because, yeah, I know so many people listening to this will feel like that and are super grateful. I'm super grateful yeah. to get to have this conversation. But the last question I do end every Good Humans podcast episode with is what does being a good human mean to Josh Meniz? Uh, what a, being a good human to me just means helping, helping, a, helping someone that needs help, you know, uh, be there for your friends, your family, or anyone in need of help. Um, I've, after going through what I've experienced, I was like, the biggest blessing ever was everyone just was always there for me 110% of my time. So that's why I feel like after this whole deal, I feel like I need to give back to people as much as I can. And that's what I've really been focused on doing is, you know, if someone needs help, I'm going to go out there and do that. And also being kind to people is a big one I've learned. Mm. Like even, you know, there's so many of us out here in the world, we're not all going to get along, but that doesn't mean you need to go out there and be a dick. You know, you Mm. can still show someone respect and just, Maybe, maybe you guys don't need to be best friends but you can still give them respect and space you know yeah so, i love that it's yeah. perfect full circle podcast yeah. with what are you grateful for and you were grateful for help yeah and then what has been a good human someone who helps and showing that you want to give back and yeah. man it's been crazy our journey and our yeah. friendship like it's what it's probably been 15 years yeah, 15 years. yeah close to 15 yeah. years like more than half of our lives we've been mates and yeah, yeah your last year has been something that has flipped my sort of understanding of like healing upside down but also just hearing the story like that because i'd obviously like from the outside heard the story i hadn't spoken to you about it until today Mm -hmm. so sharing it and getting to have this in-depth conversation i'm sure you probably haven't told that story like that to many people at all so hopefully people share this around and can get around your story and support the rest of your Mm -hmm. journey moving forward because yeah i'm excited for what the future holds for you i will leave all of josh's um socials and whatnot in the show notes but yeah any last words you want to leave with listeners um thank you everyone for listening um uh, great job to you and the message you're spreading is awesome you know we need more people like you doing this it's um super cool of the last a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, a few years of what you've been doing, I've always been super stoked on it. So, yeah, thank Cheers, you. man. Appreciate yeah. it. I'm excited. Mom's going to be excited too. We'll yeah. have you over for dinner next yeah, week when you're down <laughs> in Narrabeen. So, Josh Muniz on Good Humans Podcast, everyone. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. <laughs>